Ah, friends and family, we do have to just laugh sometimes about life and all of its uh, funny little ironies. Uh, this is the Pop Culture Workshop. Weird intro, I guess. Right, yeah, well, it's kind of a weird intro, but I mean, escapism. That's what we're escapism, kind of talking about. Yes. And that's and that's what we're here. We, di- we discuss the things you escape into. TV, movie, musicals. Yes. We've got a lot to discuss today. We'll start with Star Wars Andor. Mm-hmm. The much hyped show that we've ta- we've heard about for the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, it is the longest run of any series as far as episodes in a season. It's double the length of yeah. Kenobi. Exactly, it is twelve episodes. Uh, it's the character Cassian Andor from Rogue One. We get the backstory about Cassian Andor. Have you watched the the three episode premiere yet, Kev? Not the three of them. Okay. I've only seen um, some of the first one, but it's um. I, will, I like it. I do too. I will say this: it's it's distinctly different than uh, tonally than a lot of the other Star Wars shows we've seen thus far on Disney Plus, right? right? And what I like it's, and I talked to Eric Davis of Fandango.com, by the way. Hear the full interview. Shameless plug. <whistles> and let's talk arts and entertainment Saturdays at eight a.m. And we agree, seeing the low-level Empire Stooges, right? Like, this is the beginnings of the Empire. Normally, when you see the Empire, it's always stormtroopers or, you know, these high-ranking generals. These are just schmucks. These are like the low-level— This is corporate America. Yeah, this is corporate America. These are the middlemen of the Empire, right, Uh, that you have to deal with, at least in the first three episodes that I've seen. So I like that. You're also seeing the very early beginnings of the Rebel alliance so i like the ground level of that the one thing that is interesting to me that i think plagues this from time to time and also plagued obi-wan is we know where cassian andor ends up right so when in a dire situation the tension isn't as thick as you would like it to be because you know cassian will survive. Yes, because he has to show up in Rogue One and do everything that happens in that movie. Now, the ancillary characters there is still that, that are being introduced, they were being introduced, we don't know their fate. So there is emotional connection there, and we worry about whether they're going to make it out alive. But when I expressed this kind of hesitancy to Eric Davis, he said, you know, we've kind of been conditioned throughout film over the past how many years that the hero's probably not going to die. Right. Even, yeah. you know, Rambo hasn't died. The Terminator is still around. Yeah. Like, Rambo Rambo dies in the original book. He kills himself. Yeah. But he's still going, you know, five movies strong. Yeah. So it's kind of conditioned. So I get that. But I still feel that takes away some of the tension. Oh, yeah. But if you have a well-written characters around and just the kind of the interesting take on the Empire and stuff, you're involved enough that you can kind of let that go. Yeah. At least in my opinion. So. I like what I've seen from Andor thus far. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I don't know. If you're a non-Star Wars fan, I don't know how much you're going to get into this particular series. Well, what I've um, heard, at least for the rest of um, the episodes, is that, I mean, since it's so removed from Star Wars in terms of, um, I, I mean, I've joked about how, especially the Star Wars sequel movies how they'll just every chance they get they're going to shoehorn every character from the old movies in and be like look at this it's a force push or something but um, I mean I think because this deals with 
because it's Star Wars, but they're they're dealing with, as you said, like the sort of corporate, you know, underlings, you know, cogs in the machine of war, sort of. So it's so they got a bunch of interesting, uh, you know, sort of. N- not as high action, high energy, yes. but you know, a nice drama. Which I mean, dramas do well on streaming services. That they do. One other thing that's doing well on a streaming service that I have found myself enjoying more and more every episode is She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. She-Hulk is just so tongue in cheek and so irreverent and so different from anything Marvel has done before. I just appreciate what Marvel has done with the shows on Disney Plus, allowing them to take chances, but it also saves us all from a origin story movie. Oh God! We'll, yeah. we'll now already have a point of reference for a lot of these characters that can then seamlessly transfer into the MCU cinematic universe, right? Like Miss Miss Marvel is going to show up in the Marvels. We know her background already. We're mm-hmm. emotionally invested in Miss Marvel if we watch the Disney Plus show. And so we don't have to take the time to have another two-hour movie to give us all that this show. And it allows us to – these shows allow us to get to know these characters because you have more room to play because you have episodic rather than the movie. So you get more kind of insight into their character, which in turn gives you more emotional investment in those characters – which is important if you want to take these journeys that Marvel's going to take you on. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it was sort of the trope for a while, and especially with the Spider-Man movies. Oh God, how many times Uncle how Ben? How many have times to die? do you have to watch the Uncle Ben death yeah. or whatever? So it's it's nice because. It, because as popular as She-Hulk is becoming, I, I do think she's at least going to be in the movies or have her own movie, and they won't have to be like, well, this is She-Hulk, and, and she gets mad because she was... It's like, no, you know she's a lawyer. You know her shtick. Yeah. You know, you know. and it's... and it they can be funny with it and reference the show and I think it's it's a good thing to do that. It is a pop culture workshop here and Sony made an announcement earlier this week. Sony's always got something that's questionable up their sleeve. What what's Sony doing now? So they moved some movies around, but the biggest announcement was there's going to be a new Karate Kid movie. Not a remake like the terrible Jaden Smith, Jackie Chan one. I which, will teach you kung fu. Which <laughs> drives me nuts because you shouldn't remake a classic. Also, he teaches them kung fu, not yeah, karate. Yeah, which is, okay, kung fu kid. But <laughs> the other part of this equation is it's going to live in the current Karate Kid cinematic universe, but the makers and the guys who are creatively in charge of Cobra Kai have said... We have no idea what this is all about because they have not consulted us on it. That's the problem. So Karate, the Cobra Kai lives in that universe too, right? They're in their fifth season of building out that universe. So what is Sony Pictures going to do that Cobra Kai has not done already? And why would you not consult with someone who has put together a very um, not only well-received but popular Expansion of the franchise. What are you doing here, Sony? Cobra Kai is is similar to Better Call Saul, and where it's an idea on paper that shouldn't work. Okay, Better Call Saul was here's the erratic lawyer from Breaking Bad, and he gets his own series. And there are a lot of articles you can look back, and they're like this terrible idea. One of the best prequel things probably ever surpasses Breaking Bad in a lot of ways. And Cobra Kai, well, I haven't watched all of it. 
Um, it's on its fifth season. It's very popular. It does so many things well. It's you know great action, well written, and it's it is probably the best. I mean, it's better than some of the movies. Oh honestly. God, it's better than it's better, it's than, better than anything past number two. Yeah. The, um. So the only thing that Sony could do is bring in Hillary Swank to be the new you know Karate Kid again. But but you don't have Mr. Miyagi. Well, funny you say that. Because one of the rumors then is if they're not going to play with Cobra Kai, right? It'd be it'd be so bizarre if you were to make this movie, right? This new Karate Kid lives in this universe, and have Daniel Larusa and you know Johnny Lawrence doing something entirely different than what they're doing in Cobra Kai. It'd be such a mind warp for and, the for the folks of the of the fans of this franchise. And they've already brought in Cobra Kai's done a wonderful job of incorporating characters from all these other movies, you know, Karate Kid 2, 3, 4, whatever it may be. Something, some people are thinking it may be a Mr. Miyagi prequel. We don't need that. Of how Mr. Miyagi ends up becoming part of Daniel LaRusso's life. So we see him leave what transpires early in Okinawa that gets him to America and then how he ends up. And we end with old footage of that first fight scene where Mr. Miyagi saves Daniel Russa, and that's going to be the how it's living in the Karate Kid universe. Now, I know I just said, I'm a hypocrite, I just said there's a lot of prequel or whatever ideas that don't work on paper, might turn out being good. Uh, this does not look good on paper, in my humble opinion, and I would also like to say that I don't have faith in Sony to do something that good because Sony has messed up a lot of properties. They gave us Morbius, so they gave I don't us know. Morbius. They gave us the Venom movies, which Venom is fun because it's kind of so bad it's good. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if I trust Amazing them. Spider-Man again. Amazing Spider-Man one is fine because they just wanted to keep the rights. Amazing Spider-Man two was a cluster mess. And I a, love the fact that in Spider-Man No Way Home. They're so tongue-in-cheek about oh, yeah. how bad those particular incarnations were. Yeah. Andrew Garfield is fantastic in it. So. Oh, yeah. He takes it into Because Andrew Garfield was like the constant good thing about those movies. Because yeah. he was good, but it's just like the rest of the movie is just poorly written. Something that hasn't been a constant good thing, M. Night Shyamalan movies. Those, you know, they're very up and down. Because you know, he, he struck gold with The Sixth Sense, but... I mean, if, if there was a time where if you said M. Night Shyamalan was connected to a movie, run. Like, don't watch it. Like, it's going to be terrible. Right, yeah. And now he's back with another new movie coming out in February of next year, uh, Knock on the Cabin Door. Mm-hmm. Trailer dropped earlier this week, and it seems very M. Night shyamalan Yeah. Uh, that it, It's got Dave Bautista. It's having to do with the apocalypse and people coming out of the woods. There's going to be some twist. Oh, yeah. You know that. There's going to be something there to talk to about. Be. Good, bad, and different. There's going to be a twist. So that's something to look forward to in February. Also got some news this week of the rest of the uh, – not I want to say the rest, but a lot of the original cast of the original Beverly Hills Cop will be appearing in Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley for Netflix. That's so Judge awesome. Reinhold's back. Uh, his partner from the movie is back. Uh, Paul Reiser is coming back. And Bronson Pinchot will all be back. For, and Joseph Gordon-Livett is also going to be in this incarnation of, okay. of Beverly Hills Cop. Do we need it? I don't know. Well, of course we don't need it. I mean, but, of course, Beverly Hills Cop, I mean, the first movie is an 80s classic. Yes. Certified, wonderful movie. Yeah. Hilarious. Two is, eh. Two's fine. Three is really, really bad. Yeah. But 
Is three the one way to go to the amusement park? Yeah, George Lucas cameos in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a bad movie. But I will tell you that um, they could do it well. I mean, it could turn out to be another coming to America sequel that was just yeah, kind of kind meh. Of, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun, but it, listen, it's I I think. If they go the original movie's route of being R-rated and kind of raunchy, and yes. they don't try to be PG-13 like the third movie, I think it has a chance to be a, a wonderful uh, little callback. Yeah, the cast is setting up to be a great one, so I'm looking forward to that. We don't get a release date yet, but they're getting they're starting to shoot it. And I've the fact that original seen production photos, yeah. yeah, Judge Reinhold, which I haven't seen in freaking anything, right? In yeah, a while. forever. So good to see him get some work. Speaking of casts. Uh, uh, you have some musical notes here, quick, before we I get do. what's coming out in theater this weekend. Yeah, I do. Um, last night, uh, the cast album of uh, the recent Broadway revival, The Music Man, came out. This was led by Hugh Jackman. Oh, um, God. We Hugh- all know your feelings on Hugh Jackman and <laughs> musicals. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Jackman, uh, of course, everyone knows him as Wolverine, uh, but he also was Jean Valjean in the Les Mis movie. And well, he is a good actor. I'm not gonna knock the guy's acting. He's a he's a great actor. Um, not my favorite singer, although he is not the worst singer in the world. I'm okay. not. I, I know people are talking about. I hate him. He's terrible. It's like he's not terrible. It's just not he's not ever, he's not my cup of tea. Uh, and Harold Hill is a part that is not very singing heavy. There's a lot of um, th- there's a lot of like really fast talking, almost rapping. There's, okay, get you. The yeah. show actually opens with a bunch of salesmen basically rapping to the beat of a train as they're traveling um, from Brighton to Rock Island. It's a, it's a pretty cool uh, opening number. Uh, and Hugh Jackman has always, even in interviews and stuff, expressed that was the first musical he ever did in high school, and he always he wanted to do it and play Harold Hill. Hmm. So he got the chance to on Broadway, him and uh, Sutton Foster, who's another um, Broadway powerhouse. And I watched, full disclosure, a bootleg video of the musical because I don't have $500 to go see it on Broadway. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's, I'm sure it would be cool live. Uh, I've done The Music Man. I did it out at Theater in the Park in New Salem. I've seen it a bunch when The Legacy just did it. I love the original movie. Uh, It was a classic, you know, growing up. But... I don't think it's the, that great. Just as somebody who's like knows the material really well, they as revivals do, they changed a lot of the dance music. Okay. Um, they changed the lyrics of some of the songs, and and it, it doesn't work as well. They rearranged one of the big ballads to be more of this like fast talking song. It's it's I, I'm not a big fan of it. Okay. Um, they made I, the choices were made. Choices were made and I didn't agree with that. I, I know people who saw it on Broadway and they loved it and they said it was wonderful. You know, more power to them. Um just just not for cats. Twenty five dollars though. Too much money for the cast album, in my opinion. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that is, that is that, quite that pricey is, for that an is album. a lot of money. And I I don't and and it came out less than Twelve hours ago, so I mean, I might my opinions might differ on some of it. Um, my first impression is I'm not super hmm. impressed with it. But the thing is, though, it's a very well done, like produced album. They have a full twenty five piece orchestra, and it's it sounds great. I mean, okay. the, the sound mixing is great, and I love the score anyway. So I can just listen to the, you know, the marches and everything in it. It's 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 great. Um, so there's that. Also, musical news. We're going to talk about uh, Roku. 
um, is now streaming the stage version of Heather's the Musical. Yeah, the Roku channel is. Yeah, because they, they, they filmed it in London in, I think, February, and they edited it together and put it on... Um, the streaming service Roku and it's available in some other places too Heather's is really funny uh, I mean the original movie is of course it's cult classic uh, yeah, it it's is. hilarious and they take that tongue in cheek um, dark comedy humor and transfer it into the musical with all sorts of different songs um, you know Candy Store is <laughs> one of them is one of the big ones um, my dead gay son is the act two opener. Oh, very nice. Um, so it's 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 the iconic line. Yeah, and then that that's a whole big song. Um, actually, Jim Leach was in the musical one time and sang that song. Oh, okay. That last time they did it, and they're actually doing Heather's um, at the Springfield Theater Center in. February, I believe. Nice. Auditions are coming up for it, I think. But, um, you know, shameless plug for the theater that I'm on the board of. Very but, cool. <laughs> hey, but, what, what, that's what podcasts are for, That's right? what podcasts are for. But, yeah, the, I mean, if you haven't seen, obviously, the, the cult classic movie, go watch it because it's, it's, it's funny. Um, and it's got, you know, great performances by Winona Ryder uh, and everybody in that movie. But the stage musical is really funny. And even if you don't like, I mean, you know, the music man is a more traditional golden age, like, like oh, yeah, I said, yeah, giant, yeah. you know, strings, brass orchestra. Heather's is like a five-piece band, like a saxophone and, okay. you know, synth guitars, 80s sound very music. Very 80s sound. Gotcha. I would give this one a watch um, because it is, it is very funny, and the tunes are catchy, and I think you'll like it, especially if you like the humor of that first movie. Very cool. So something to maybe stream this weekend, something you may be able to go see in theaters. Well, you can go see it if you yeah. want. Not, there's no maybe about it. There's two movies. There's the Avatar re-release, which... Yes. If you want to go see the Avatar re-release, maybe you have a kid who <laughs> never saw the first one in the theater. If it's in 3D, I actually might go yeah, see it. Yeah, the they are, it's, in all, it's in all aspect ratios. It's 4K. They've upgraded oh, everything. I might, have to, I might have to spring for the IMAX show. And, and you are going to get uh, bonus footage from Way of Water, the next one. Oh, nice. So you're going to get like okay. a bonus scene, a little bit of snippet. A little sneak preak. Yeah. Okay. And the other one is Don't Worry, My Darling, which <laughs> so much controversy God, over about- no, over nothing <laughs> about this particular film Olivia Wilde I believe directed it Florence yeah. Pugh Harry Styles in it originally supposed to be Shia LaBeouf but then there was stuff that oh, happened and that's the whole controversy yeah. there and then there was the Olivia Wilde saying I told him to leave and then he said I left so there's a lot of con- no publicity or any publicity is good publicity right of course um, it's only right now like 30 some percent of Rotten Tomatoes oh. uh, and that may be because of the controversy uh, but it still has the most ticket sales thus far it's probably going to be number one in the box office I mean there you go it's it's very kind of I think Stepford Wivesy and it's okay. it, you know it's kind of a intense thriller type thing if you're into that, you can go check it out. I I know there that you know there's a lot of been made about it, but if that's something you want, I mean we're getting in that fall kind of Halloween season, so don't worry, my darling is there for you to watch. Yes, it's, it's a movie that's available. It's a movie that is available for you to watch. That's a, a glowing review. That it is, ladies and don't gentlemen. Don't worry, my darling. And that's what they say about the pop culture workshop. That's true. It's a podcast you can listen it's to. It's there for you to listen to it if you so choose. We'll be here talking about all the news yep. in the movie news for you.